Support for this program is provided by Chevron, the human energy company. This is Politico Energy. I'm Josh Siegel. On Thursday, the Supreme Court delivered a major setback to President Joe Biden's ambitious climate change goals. In West Virginia versus the Environmental Protection Agency, the justices ruled six to three that the EPA does not have broad authority to curb planet warming pollution from power plants. Now that's just the ruling, but the impact of this decision is what really matters. First, Biden's goal of addressing global warming through executive branch action now faces significant legal and regulatory obstacles. And other kinds of federal regulations used to address things beyond energy, like healthcare, telecommunications, and finance, are now also at legal risk. A proposal by the Securities and Exchange Commission to require public companies to disclose their climate risks is a likely target for a legal challenge. So today, we check in with Politico's Alex Guillen on what the justices actually said in their ruling and the impact this case has on the Biden administration and future administrations moving forward. It's Friday, July 1st. Alex, we finally got this massive ruling from the Supreme Court on West Virginia versus the EPA. So just break it down. I know you were planning for a range of scenarios. How did the high court rule Thursday? Yeah, so the ruling was 6-3 with the conservative justices in the majority and the liberals in the minority. And basically what they ruled was that EPA cannot use any kind of sweeping generation-shifting scheme when it goes to regulate greenhouse gases from power plants. So basically, they struck down the clean power plan four years after the Trump administration repealed it. They went ahead and struck it down anyway, just in case, you know, for good measure. That's really the top line takeaway on that ruling is the strongest tool that most people generally thought EPA had is unlawful, according to the Supreme Court. The ruling doesn't strip EPA of its greenhouse gas regulatory authority, and it, it also sort of explicitly said, we're not going to say exactly what the the line is that EPA can walk up to. But they did sort of indicate it's going to have to be a much more moderate rule that focuses on things like efficiency improvements of power plants if it's going to pass, you know, judicial muster. Right. So given the Supreme Court maybe didn't go to the very end of the extreme that they could have and totally restricted EPA from doing anything in the climate space, What do you think this ruling does as far as its impact on the White House's overall climate ambitions? It's definitely a huge, huge pinprick. This is going to really handcuff EPA and its work on climate emissions, meaning, you know, it's any rule they come out with, which, of course, has now been delayed by about a year, just thanks to the Supreme Court case. And then, of course, also they've ruled that they can't really do something sweeping like the Obama administration tried. Yeah, it's going to be much harder for EPA to tackle climate emissions from the power sector. I would imagine this could also ripple outward and potentially make it harder for the agency to pass other climate rules. They might have to really hunker down here. But it's definitely going to make it much, much harder to reach President Biden's climate ambition 50% cut by the end of the decade. 
Yeah. Do you have any idea on how this EPA could potentially try to issue a regulation curbing emissions that's maybe stronger than what Trump put out with his ACE rule, but doesn't go as far as Obama's clean power plan? You've discussed before this holistic approach that they might take. So can you just try to preview what the Biden EPA could do here? Yeah, I think there's two paths forward here. So the first one is, what can EPA do directly on greenhouse gas emissions from power plants still? Like I said, you know, this didn't strip EPA of all authority, but it also didn't say exactly what that authority is. So we're now left in this weird gray space where EPA is going to have to try and figure that out. It'll remain to be seen what technologies or strategies might work out in that kind of rule. So there are certainly theoretical options. It remains to be seen what could potentially be legal. And then on the indirect route, like you mentioned, there's this holistic approach that Administrator Regan has talked about pretty publicly before. And he said, when you step back and look at all the regulations that apply to power plants at EPA, because there's greenhouse gas regulations, there's regulations regarding conventional pollutants, there are wastewater discharge regulations, there are regulations governing solid waste like coal ash, you know, power plants are kind of regulated out the wazoo. And his point is, if EPA can go in and look at all those rules and strengthen them all a little bit to a a lot, potentially, if they can do that all at once, then the idea is utilities can step back and look and go, all right, so for this power plant, it would cost us, say, $200 million to comply with these rules. Is that worth it in the long run? Or should we just shut this plant down now and put that money into, say, solar or wind. That would obviously bring huge greenhouse gas benefits and all the other benefits that come from the reduced other types of pollution. So I think we're going to probably be seeing EPA take that route, but they also maybe need to be a little careful about how much they say they're doing that, because if there's extra statutory authorities trying to go into these other regulations, you know, that might spell some trouble for them. Right. And so looking beyond this ruling and its implications for the federal government's ability to regulate carbon emissions, did this case open the door to more judicial crackdown on the executive branch more broadly? I think that's a distinct possibility. You know, the justices didn't break open the door and say, you know, the administrative state, as you know, it is over. But When you look between the lines of this ruling, there's a couple of things to note. And really, I think the biggest one is that they went in, looked at a regulation of a power plant and a regulation that limits a pollutant. And those are both things that EPA has lots of experience doing. And they said, this was way beyond your authority. It's what's called the major questions doctrine. And basically, it just says, you know, if there's a major economic regulation, Congress has to explicitly authorize it which is a stronger judicial standard than we had normally previously seen in most cases. This is the court saying, we're raising the bar, we're making it harder for major regulations to be justified. And so what that means is, if you start applying that to other regulations at other agencies, you could make a similar argument. One thing people are already talking about today is the Securities and Exchange Commission, the SEC, they have proposed a rule that would require corporations to tell their shareholders about the risks of climate change, what it poses to their bottom line. A lot, a lot of people have been saying this is Congress never intended the SEC to require that kind of disclosure. It's well beyond their bounds. So we're very much going to be seeing this argument come up there. 
back in our sphere, EPA's recent rule limiting tailpipe emissions from passenger vehicles, it's getting this kind of challenge. And um, it, it'll happen to other like healthcare and COVID-related regulations. This is something that could have pretty widespread impacts across the federal government. Wow. So lots to think about, lots of different possibilities there. Yeah. Actually, you know, Josh, this is making me think. I've, I've had my head buried in the ruling all day, but I know you have been calling around to lawmakers and, and all that. What are you hearing from them? Yeah. So the headline in our story that really gathered a lot of reaction from Democrats and environmentalists included the words shocking and disgraceful. So th- those are very strong reactions. But I've, I've found, in, as I've subsequently had more conversations with lawmakers, environmental groups, that it seems like it's gone from, hey, the Supreme Court has totally dismantled the ability of the EPA to regulate carbon emissions and, and deal with climate change to undermining it. So people seem to think, or at least people who want to see significant climate action, that this could have been a whole lot worse. At the same time, of course, you're hearing proponents of climate action saying, and Democrats specifically, that reconciliation is that much more urgent. It was already very urgent and in the top priority. But, you know, this underscores how we haven't seen Congress act significantly on climate ever. And this is really, Democrats say, the last chance to do it for the foreseeable future because Republicans, as we know, are in a favorable political position given inflation and they're favored to take the House, and, and the Senate's very much a toss-up. So there's a lot of urgency, but basically it seems like Democrats don't want to take any tools off the table. They still think the EPA has a, a route here. They have a plan B. They, they should use that, but at the same time, Democrats really need to move on reconciliation. For more news on energy and the environment, subscribe to our newsletter at politico.com slash morningenergy. Some of the music in today's show was composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Normal Michael is the podcast producer. Raghu Manuvalan edited the show this week. Jenny Amitz is the executive producer of audio at Politico. Our editors are Matt Daly and Gloria Gonzalez. I'm Josh Siegel, and we'll see you back on Tuesday. Did you know that Chevron is exploring ways to expand their hydrogen fuel production to help make heavy-duty transport lower carbon? Find out more at chevron.co slash hydrogen fuel.